Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. My name is Tony Kerr. Now, what a summer it's been for Guernsey Sport. We've seen Heather Watson reach the second week of a Grand Slam for the first time in her career. Young footballer Alex Scott lifted the under-19 European Championship with England. And Team Guernsey, well, they brought home their first Commonwealth medals for 28 years, thanks to Lucy Beer and Ala Chalmers. But how do we make sure the next generation of local sports stars gets the grounding they need to make it right to the top? Well, that's where the new Guernsey Institute of Sport comes in. At the moment, it doesn't have a physical space. In fact, it doesn't really have a website at the moment, just a holding page with a logo and a mission statement. Developing a sustainable elite performance sport framework with embedded scientific, medical and technological support services, enabling Guernsey elite athletes to consistently maximise potential and transition onto Olympic and professional performance pathways. So how do you make that happen? Well, you enlist the help of some very, very experienced local specialists, among them Dan Gilmet and Connor Osborough. Dan is a physiotherapist who's been working at the very top of professional cycling for more than a decade. He was the lead physio at Team Sky, while Connor specialises in biomechanics and has worked at the top level of swimming at Olympic Games and World Championships to boot. I sat down with them on a sunny day outside at the KG5 to find out a bit more about the Institute, what it looks like now, what they want it to look like going forward, and why they think it can make a difference. Connor, Dan, thanks very much for joining me uh, under the beautiful sunshine here at the KG5. Uh, All good? Very well, thanks. All good, yeah, thanks. Fantastic. Um, Great to have you here to chat about the Institute of Sport. You've both got your your branded tops on. Connor, let me come to you first. Uh, just give us the sort of elevator pitch for the Institute of Sport. What is it and, and what does it look like at the moment? So it's a, it's a small organisation really at the moment. There's a, there's a few of us who are involved in running it. And really what we're about is trying to improve the performance of a select group of Guernsey athletes. So we're talking about a handful of athletes. I'd say they're probably those names that people would recognise already. And actually what we're doing is trying to provide them with the sports services that they might need to either better themselves or maybe actually that they don't have already. So it's actually kind of filling a gap with regards to their sports science or sports needs. Yeah. And how many athletes do you work with at the moment? We're probably looking at a small handful because we're in a kind of early stage of setup. So we deliberately did a pilot group of um, probably no more than 10 athletes uh, and actually they would be the ones that we're working with predominantly and looking at kind of giving them what they what they need but actually doing a kind of needs analysis on what they're what they actually need as part of their actually training program or the performance program or competition program and actually trying to fulfill those needs and actually allowing us to to kind of help with them uh, and dan we've seen high performance programs before in the island as part of the sports commission's sort of remit how, how does this differ to what's gone before yeah, I think the main difference really is that we've been quite selective because we're in this sort of initial pilot study phase. So we haven't formally launched yet. That's what we're aiming to do from from January next year, and we'll have a we'll have a, a process that we'll probably discuss a bit later on as to how athletes may um, join the program. So we've been quite lucky because we've had a we've got a golden crop of of, of athletes at the moment across different sports coming through the island. Um, and actually when you start having these conversations with these athletes and you, you understand a little bit more about maybe their funding streams or what access do they get in terms of, uh, support staff. So if they're on the British Olympic pathway, a world-class plan, <clears throat> um, 
and then and then what we did is we sort of stripped that back and said okay right well what with our experiences working in both olympic and professional sport our kind of wider connections and how can we utilize that to sort of benefit this group of athletes as a pilot group and then learn those lessons of what do we get right what do we get wrong and then start to work and identify the next crop coming through which we've kind of got to that phase a little bit now and i think the other thing is the biggest thing is it's about elite performance and elite performance in the context that we're used to not in a guernsey context however we do work quite closely with 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 some of the sports who may already have their own kind of club elite pathway so maybe athletics or 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 the velo club for instance Uh, and then really how we can use that as a sort of talent identification um, start having conversations with people and think okay right well what might we be able to do for you in the future Um, rather than just saying okay you know the last crop in, in the old sort of uh, high performance program we had in Guernsey and similar to the one in Jersey you know vast numbers but actually no uh, focused development a very kind of broad system which which is which has been really really effective but actually now what can we do to fine-tune that um, and, and and I think it's also one of the biggest things is, is around that transitioning from being a Guernsey athlete even from Island Games to Commonwealth Games is a big jump for a lot of our athletes and we've seen that in some of the kind of retrospective study work that we've done through Commonwealth Games performances over the last uh, four cycles but also the transition from you know really really good like elite Guernsey athletes where they're taking that next step into to university and elite university performance pathways or um, you know national governing body Olympic pathway or a professional pathway so for instance you know we've, we've got the two lads now that are at Bristol City at the you know the academy in the under 23s and we did a little bit very small bit with with Maya and, and Alex in the past but I think because we've we know those systems and we understand them because we've worked in them I think we we can add quite a lot of value or hopefully add value to um, managing those athletes and giving them the the kind of mental agility and exposure to what it's going to be like when you're isolated you know you're not going to have the support services that are five minutes down the road that you have here and so how can we facilitate that support structure around you and help you with those lifestyle choices that ultimately help you in life but also in terms of your academic uh, your your sporting you know um objectives to be the best athlete yeah absolutely you, you mentioned um the sort of golden crop of, of of talent that we've got at the moment i mean kind of from what dan was saying there about targeting that proper elite level not just elite in the island does that by its nature then mean it's always going to be a very small select um group of individuals that you look to work with this isn't something that's going to grow and grow and grow and suddenly we're going to have you know 500 athletes on the program although that yeah that would be nice i guess it's selective and exclusive, uh, and this this is kind of the the thing about elite sport. It, it is by its very nature designed that way. You're talking about if you can imagine a pyramid, you got a very broad base. That's kind of the participation element and people who do lots of activities or sports at a at a at a young age, which is absolutely fine, which is brilliant. And then the next level up is probably more more islands level, then moving into kind of a national level, then elite level and then international level performance level and then professional level kind of all the way up through and what you think about is is the 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 broad base uh, and basically the very tip of the pyramid or the triangle at the top is that elite level and that's really what we're talking about we're talking about those people who can qualify for the olympics those people who can final at commonwealth games that is a very very small select group of individuals and actually if you think about guernsey as a context we've got a population of 64,000 it's going to be a very small group of people who are kind of reaching or even wanted to reach that level that that's a very difficult 
thing to achieve. Even in a big country, it's a difficult thing to achieve. So by its very nature, we're deliberately looking at a small targeted group of athletes. And because we have a finite level of resource, we want to make sure that we maximize that input into what they can actually achieve. So we actually try to deliver for them what they actually need. The alternative is more of a broad brush approach, which is more general in focus. Uh, and really what that happens is you, you, you get a certain level of input and certain level of performance gains but it's very difficult to demonstrate actually the effectiveness of what you're trying to do you can do educational workshops you can do uh, general um, training camps and things like that but ultimately what we're talking about is very very focused very very specific on a particular individual's needs to help them better themselves from where they were before and as a result it is going to be a small group of athletes that said if we have a golden group of athletes now, you need to be thinking about the future. This isn't just a kind of one-off uh, plan that, that has a six-month or two-year horizon. Really, you're talking about a six- to eight-year horizon. So if you're looking at that in terms of people performing when they're kind of 20s, uh, you really want to be looking at kind of where they're at when they're 12 and actually 12, 13 is probably where you need to be looking next in terms of your next level of athletes who show the aptitude or the desire or the innate ability to be able to kind of transition over an eight to 10 year period to get to where they need to be to be able to compete at that level. That's one of the reasons why myself and Dan, we've kind of taken a step back. And although we've done this pilot group at, at, at this top level is actually, well, where's the next group down below that kind of 16, 17 year olds? And then also kind of identifying very talented 12 to 13 year olds who might be interested in kind of going down that route. And one of the things we've been doing with that small group is actually making sure we can have these conversations, not just with them, but with their parents, but with their schools and thinking about what opportunities might they be able to have to better themselves to go further forward. So developing links either on island or off island to put them in the best possible position so that they can actually then develop themselves over time. And we just basically touch in with them and, and basically um, touch base with them on a regular basis to see how it's going. So is that a distinct change from previously then in that you're, you're going to be looking to catch potentially talented athletes younger than than we would have done in the past so for our side yeah absolutely you've, you've got to think of this time horizon of being eight to ten years uh going further forward and actually you need to track back to that age group and actually thinking about how does that work for that particular sport there are some sports that are kind of renowned for being kind of early early development sports so for example gymnastics might be one swimming quite often is one so if you look at the world championships just recently at summer mcintosh She's Canadian, she's 15, she won 200 fly, 200 IM, 400 IM. She won the fastest um, time in the 200 free, but she didn't swim it because she was swimming the other races. So she's only 15. And if you look at Canada as, again, we're going to be competing against Canada at the Commonwealth Games, they kind of take a bigger kind of... Um, uh, they take the same sort of idea in terms of actually that tracking approach all the way through. Dan, is it, is it appropriate to, to kind of start talking about eight-year horizons with a, with a 12 and 13-year-old? Well, I mean, it gives us focus. And I, I think the biggest thing is, is that, you know, we've spoken with our colleagues in, you know, in Jersey and the Isle of Man, so we all face the same, same issues. And one of the biggest issues we have in a small island life is big fish, small pond. And then suddenly, you know, you've got developing athletes who are doing really well at age group level. And where do they sit? Because one of the key things would be where do they sit nationally? So we've had a couple of conversations recently with, with three 12 to 13, 13 year olds in different sports kind of I think it's one of the big things we were always quite keen on as well in terms of the setup of the Institute of Sport that yeah okay we're working with this elite group at the moment but actually it's it's not 
you know it's not a financial drain on us or a, a time drain on us to be able to you know be approached by somebody to say actually do you know what i've i've my child is doing this or we we identified you know through the reporting in the in the local media that you know there's there's this athlete that's suddenly doing really really well they're climbing the national rankings they're going away off island a lot for competition so then we can then have that kind of conversation or be there as a resource and not necessarily that they would be an institute of sport athlete but as a body as an institution we could we can be there as a resource for okay what what lifestyle choices do you make so around education that's aligned with their athletic development so we've got quite very close links at the moment we've been having conversations with millfield school for a, a couple of a couple of um athletes one we've had a discussion around their international racing license and the their the country that they're already assigned to in their sport and they want to transition to a different country because they can because they're a multinational family but actually they didn't have any links there but because of our links within olympic and professional sport we said okay right well we'll reach out to the people that we know and we'll get all these bits of the jigsaw together and we'll put it together and, and here you are here's the information then you can go and take that conversation and see where you go with it keep us informed and we'll stay aligned and we'll track the pathway because i think one of the biggest things as well is you know, especially from under 14 sport, it's always really difficult to identify talent in terms of athletes, especially in endurance sport, where you tend to develop, you know, in your mid 20s onwards. Uh, but each time they go through the age group category, you know, from under 14 to under 16 to junior to senior, there's a there's a a big jump in competition, and that's where you start to lose people and you lose people not necessarily because they haven't got the ability to play the sport but they haven't got the bigger wider context in terms of what we talked about a bit earlier on about the mental agility and the life skills to cope with the demands of that and we also have to remember you know that these kids are growing up you know and they're under the pressures of life and i mean i'm glad i'm not at school anymore because it just be it must be horrendous for some of them or a lot of them you know especially with you know we've a lot of them have grown up through through covid which you know we're starting to understand the impact that's having on athletes we're not talking about guernsey athletes but but well just a young population in general um so uh, like i say even though it's an elite program for, for this small group of people there is a part there will be a pathway for people to access us um you know whether it's not in game squad or we'll just come and give them a talk about i don't know we you know basic nutrition or travel hygiene or sleep or you know, preparation so one of the big things we're doing with our with our athletes is we want them to understand and be accountable for their performance so you know we're, we're lifelong practitioners you know we're constantly learning and evolving and that, that that's where you develop as a person and in your professional life but what we what we sit down with them is, is we say okay right well we're gonna have a performance meeting so you come onto the program we'll sit down we'll look at your goals for the season and you know highlight which are the main ones and then we'll work back to how do you get to those goals in the best best condition okay right well we know I had a conversation with one athlete recently um we've got your a levels but three weeks later is your probably the biggest event in your career if you're going to you know commonwealth games or you're off island competing at a national championship which is really important for you for your next step in your pathway development and getting onto a you know a bigger program um so we can we can put that down on paper and say right you own that so at the end of the season 
if you haven't reached your goals, you can look back on it and reflect on it and say, okay, right, well, actually, yeah, I, I didn't do this because my levels got in the way or I got sick or COVID or whatever it might be. It's exactly the same as what happens in, in my world. You know, when we sit down with our, our riders at the start of the season or, the, you know, the coaching staff do or, you know, working in the in, in English Institute of Sport or, you know, with the Irish Institute of Sport when you're working with athletes going through an Olympic pathway. So I, I'm kind of waffling on a little bit, but I think you get the gist that it, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. kind of... There's some core delivery of services to this small group at the moment, but there's a wider context in which we want to make sure that we're available to have conversations with people to to kind of direct them or, or, or help them out. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a, a fantastic resource going forward for local sport. I mean, how what kind of feedback have you had from the group that you're working with so far and how, how will that inform what happens from January onwards? Um Feedback's been positive. So um, I'm thinking of uh, particular athletes, um, uh, some of which have definitely made an important performance improvement over over time. So I'm thinking one in particular has has, has dropped uh, a significant time in his particular race uh, and has done really well and actually has qualified for for a European champs in his particular sport. So that's that's been very good. So it's probably easier if I kind of explain kind of some of the stuff that we do. So for example, Dan typically looks after kind of the medical side of things. So physiotherapy, uh, nutrition, supplementation, those sort of things. Uh, whereas I probably more look at kind of the, the sports science type stuff. So my background is sports biomechanics per se, and actually thinking about uh, moving patterns and reducing the risk of injury and optimizing performance and things like that. So that's one of the reasons why we work quite well together is because Dan, from a medical practitioner point of view and me from a sports science point of view, we both understand each side of the coin and work together from that. So that, that's one particular example of where we've had some feedback. But we've also been involved over the last six months with a with something called a TAS research project. So TAS stands for Talented Athlete Scholarship Scheme. It's a it's an UK um uh, body really it's attached to uh, UK sport and really what what they've been interested in they've realized that actually they, they need to do some they, they've developed a research arm as, as part of their organization and one of the things that uh, we we've worked with them on is understanding athlete migration so what are the barriers for athlete migration from small islands so we we basically have done this piece of research with with TAS where we're looking at Guernsey Jersey and the Isle of Man we did a series of interviews with athletes, practitioners, school teachers. I think parents were also involved in some of the forum and also doing questionnaire analysis. And these guys, uh, the, the task guys, uh, basically compiled that report together and actually provided some of the feedback and some of the qualitative. So some of the things that were said about kind of the, the Guernsey Institute of Sport in particular were very, very positive in terms of it. it's made a meaningful impact on my performance over the last period of time and we've only really been working as a pilot group for probably the last 12 months so that that's pretty positive from our side yeah sounds like a great start um what will things look like as you go on i mean will we see a physical space to the institute of sport um you know will you will you grow in terms of numbers of staff uh, you guys are laughing <laughs> um yeah i mean you know we're, we're a mobile unit really of, of of three essentially yeah um and I think certainly at the moment in terms of, you know, financial resource uh, and time resource, uh, 
we're not in the position to have a physical space but it's definitely something you know five years down the line if you look at you know jersey have a physical space with you know jersey jersey sport foundation the isle of man have got their physical space at the institute of sport so you know we're, we're quite lucky because we're aligned with the sports commission so so one of the things we you know we, we look at is sort of strength and conditioning delivery or, or gym work so you know other partners and stakeholders on the island have been really really helpful in allowing you know a couple of the athletes to when they're on island or you know to come in just for a short period of time because they need to focus on something you know at either a very reduced rate or we've got a budget so we'll use that budget to even just fund that so it takes off some of that financial pressure off 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 the athletes um it's the same as well you know around the kind of medical element if an athlete gets injured it depends on the support services they've got depending on based on the pathway they might be on so um, we've done some work with with a couple of them where we've you know kind of worked with some practitioners off island and also a couple on island and we've ensured that the delivery of that care has has been been funded in terms of the package of being a an institute athlete you know we, we if you join the when you eventually would come on somebody comes on the program you know we have the performance meetings there's you know the code of conduct and and all the you know sort of policies and procedures that you would expect and that's where it's it's also beneficial for us and probably one of the reasons why we we targeted specifically we we're working with at the moment is that they're all adult athletes so it it changes a lot of the kind of policies that you would have to have in place if you're working with 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 under 18s um but that's obviously something we're developing alongside with the the sports commission and their you know their policies um because we're accountable accountable to them for for that and our, and our finances um but it's very very small at the moment but you know we've we've got we've got a pretty clear vision of 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 where hopefully this the you know this could this could lead to um you know as a non-profit you know potential charitable trust we don't know yet but, but that's the kind of the the avenue that we're looking at uh, going down and, and then establishing better links as well with with, with Jersey and and with the Isle of Man, um, and you know because there's a lot of resource on on all islands that and they're looking at, we're all looking at things through a slightly different different lens, but quite often you know that lens the colours all merge into one and um, yeah sharing knowledge is is always really really important and and again their athletes are facing the same challenges as some of ours you know coming from a small island going into a the big bad wide world <laughs> of elite sport which is brutal you mentioned talent id there i know you guys met with um some representatives from from jersey isle of man isle of white i think as well just the other day um i know the jersey sport foundation in particular have, have put a real focus on talent id and you know targeting weightlifting as a as a big opportunity for for sort of i guess you know winning medals effectively um is that something that you'll look to replicate here or i mean is that a direction that you think is is worthwhile it's a it's an interesting one if you look at a lot of the a lot of the organizers sporting governing bodies globally uh typically when when a new event comes through uh they'll look to see whether or not it's a particularly weak event so if it's a new event at a, at a big games generally most people put it down as probably a weakish event and actually what they'll look to do is talent transfer from other sports 
to recruit into that particular sport because they see it as a better opportunity to be at medal success. So from that side of things, I can understand kind of the jersey model in terms of identifying what is perceived to be a relatively weaker event in terms of its depth and then try to transition kind of uh, people from one sport into another sport to basically upskill them to, to do that. But that's not that's not unique. You see it in um, talent transfer between cycling and rowing, um, cycling and speed skating quite often. Yeah. Sprinting, rugby and sprinting. Yeah, so you, you do get this quite often across lots of different sports, lots across lots of different organisations. I think from our side is is understanding what talent we've got we're going to have a small pool, we know that, because that's the nature of the island, but actually identifying whether or not one individual has the attributes that are good for that particular sport. But ultimately, if, if somebody wants to do that sport, they like doing that sport, they're good at doing that sport, actually it's probably best to keep them doing that sport rather than trying to convince them to do something else that they don't really like, which actually might not necessarily work for them in the longer term. So it, it's a real fine line and a real balance. I think the key with that is probably communication, to be honest, is understanding kind of where everybody sits and what people really want to achieve going further forward. Why is it important that Guernsey has this um, this operation and, 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 and actually encourages elite athlete performance? Is it so that we can all enjoy you know seeing people flying the flag for Guernsey and feel sort of good about ourselves at, you know at major games I mean is it about building bridges for for athletes and actually giving people just local people the opportunities that they would otherwise you know there might be multiple barriers in their way actually smoothing that journey so that they can you know, have the same opportunities as people in, in larger countries or a bit of both a bit of, a bit of <laughs> I'd a bit, agree a bit of both yeah 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 a bit of everything really I mean you're just saying about opportunities and one of the things that we've always been quite keen on is, is around sort of education and using using our knowledges and, and experiences and uh, of how we can develop other people whether they're athletes or, or not so for instance one of the things we we set up with the sports commission is so the sports commission have two university interns so we've had last three years three years yeah give or take with covid two students so generally a sports science student or they're doing um a degree in coaching science or actually one of, at the moment he's doing sports uh, sports psychology um so what we'll do is we'll offer we're part of the interview process and what we can do is what we've been doing and offering is is a is almost like a mini internship into the institute of sport so what we've done in the past uh, and and certainly more more recently is we gave each student we placed one in rugby about three years pre pre-covid um and then the last couple of years we've, we've had them embedded with with guernsey fc so doing a lot of statistical match play analysis and that that's developed each year year on year based on the equipment that guernsey fc have got you know they're a very professional outfit um on the gps data whatever it might be but um are working quite closely with with the coaching staff there and what um what parameters do they see are, are are interesting and valuable to them that can influence their coaching so we've gone from providing them with information that helps them with uh, selection and coaching to now they're doing in-play match match analysis and then what we do with those students is at the end of it we'll just go through now with all the data and uh, this is where um casey's really important because she helps us with all that she does all the data analysis um, you palm it off <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah i'm still scarred by doing, uh, <laughs> doing statistics at master's level let alone phd but um uh, they're much more qualified to do it than i am uh, but, but essentially just taking that data and then and then putting it into really simple reports and it's really useful this year because we're doing some similar reports to what we did last year so now we've got two years worth of data with pretty much the same playing squad so what stories does that tell you what 
trend lines are we seeing? How does that influence things for the next step of Guernsey FC? But also it gives these students a really good piece in their portfolio when they go back to university and graduate next year. Because I know I've been around many sports teams and professional environments and you'll get a graduate doing an internship and they're just filling out water bottles and it's it's senseless so these these we're giving them an opportunity to to really take hold of something change it model it in the way that they want to and put their spin on it but take it away with them back to the university um and it and it would be the same you know any any students local students that are back on island and they want to have a chat and have it all the time you know i want to do physiotherapy or i want to do this or how do i follow that avenue you know that's another arm that well we can have that discussion with you because of our backgrounds um if you haven't found that information from somewhere else and i think the other thing as well we've been involved in a couple of conversations just giving an object opinion around funding for specific people so with you know sort of private funding um and that that's one arm that's quite good for us as well i think because again we're not invested in any shape or form it's just okay well, you've got a few thousand pounds burning a hole in your pocket someone's approached you what what you know is this a good cause and and 95 percent of the time it obviously it is but uh, especially with specific individuals um so we, we've been part of that process as well over the last three uh, last couple of years with, with with a couple of our athletes which has been yeah yeah been it's a it's an interesting question you pose Tony, because <clears throat> if, if you think about kind of a uh the the performance life cycle you start off um kind of aspirational you, you you see your role models up there and you you want to become one of them and actually you want to be like them and you move up and if if you're good enough you get to get get to that point and then some of the success that that comes from that and maybe some of the financial um uh support that comes at that level kind of goes through so for, from a kind of developing an individual or an athlete <clears throat> along a pathway to get to that point that's definitely what we're about but similar once you're at that point and if you are a household name and you are recognized then actually from even if you're going back to the london 2012 olympic games where you had such success there you have this feel-good factor and what what that can bring then to the next iteration coming through is they then become your role models so you get this life cycle of kind of success breed success going further forward but it's very difficult and to, to to um tangibly feel and assess and measure these things but ultimately what you want to do is create this life cycle where you've got the people who've who've been very very good at their top sport when they retire is feeding back in to the system in some way shape or form so your next group kind of go through unfortunately on a negative kind of example you, you could consider it as a conveyor belt and this i think this is where some national governing bodies and sport have kind of come a bit unstuck because it's all been about success and and that's the only thing you can be and actually we're going to get there no matter what and then you have safeguarding issues along that line but you can balance kind of the love of the sport alongside kind of the the success that you're trying to achieve over a period of time with people coming back in and feeding into that process and that's one of the things we're, we're really keen about is actually those people who have retired who've finished is actually then feeding back because then you help bring that body of knowledge back in for the next group so at each round you go around this life cycle you get stronger each time yeah and we, we've got some fantastic individuals um competing at the top level at the moment and and doing very well at a young age you know with very promising careers ahead of them i mean the perception i think it's fair to say in the community is that guernsey punches above its weight in a sporting context do you guys think that's a fair assessment i mean do we punch above our weight or have we got more to do 
We're very good at celebrating success and identifying. Sorry, I'm sounding very, uh, very much like a politician. But in effect, I think what we're very good at is when somebody gets to that level is is recognizing that success for that individual and, and displaying that in terms of whether or not we're punching above our weight. I'm not wholly convinced that we are. I think we have a, a good group of athletes who have uh, had good opportunities, have innate abilities and actually have, have been able to do these things uh, probably slightly controversially is irrespective of some of the sport they may have had in the past. They they have that innate ability or that mentorship or, and those things already in place. Uh, in terms of kind of punching above our weight, I think that's probably a fair assessment. I'm not sure, Dan, if you agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would say so, given you know the the demographic of the island and the you know size of our population, and and actually, what's really interesting is is you know we're developing or athletes are developing themselves across different sports you know it's not all just they're all going into one sport they're not all it's not all soccer it's not all athletics it's not all you know tiddlywinks it's it, it, you know it, it's it's everything and i think um i think we can really really build on that for the for the future to because there'll there'll be plenty of people that may well have the ability but just don't have the means or don't have the, the access to that service and that's again something that we you know because when when we sort of set this up we'd, we'd been sort of having loads of conversations with with Fritty and the commission for for donkey's years and then when we started looking at it a little bit more and we, we we spoke to like probably the really key sports first of all um and got some feedback from them you know how do they view commission what what kind of things are lacking and and then we sort of pulled that together and, and said well actually the best thing we can do is set up a guernsey institute of sport where we are autonomous but we're aligned at the same time um, so it's a separate body that's objective, that's that's providing uh, a service. You know, we, we're sort of set up on the kind of four pillars of human performance, which is tactical, technical, physiological, and, and, and psychological. And most of the elements are already covered, um, but there's always ways in which we can just add on to it. And, you know, at the moment, we're, we're a very small operation. We don't have all the resources like, say, Jersey might have uh, or, or, or the Isle of Man. However, again, we, it's about our wider community of people that we know who might be able to link in and, and help develop an athlete. Someone who already understands what a performance pathway is and, and what a young athlete or a developing athlete is going through. And so you've already got kind of key people with key experience helping somebody develop. But underneath that, we also want to try and develop or give opportunities to people in terms of support services, how they can develop their careers. Um, you know, just like I had those opportunities when I was a young <laughs> physio physiotherapist. But you know, I, it's also you know, I, cycling was always always my sport, and I'm I, I know I'm very very lucky. And um, you know, I knew pretty early on that you know, yeah, I grew up with pictures of Bernardino on the wall. You know, I, like, I want to be a pro cyclist, and realised I was never going to be that good. But you know. Was lucky enough to work with the right people that helped me, and got the right opportunities. And now I'm working at the highest level of, you know, in my sport. But just as a professional person, not as an athlete. And 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 sometimes I think you can, athletes can lose sight of that. You know, it's so focused and depends on what what pathway they're on as well. Because trust me, some of them are. Just because you're there, there's another hundred. That are any a phone call away from replacing you 
and um, there's, there's, there's just no room for it's like any elite environment where it's the military or whatever you know it's that that's how it is but we know we've got ideas and experience and what can we do to soften that or develop people with that mental skill set to through all their transitions which ultimately transfer over into your professional life whatever you end up doing post-athletics yeah you mentioned your career there obviously yeah you, you know you've spent a number of years now working at the very very top level of cycling i mean what's your motivation to be involved in the guernsey institute of sport i mean is it about giving back to to the island um you know is, is there a prefer you know because it, it seems like you could be all over the world <laughs> you know very busy all the time but you're, you're obviously making time to make this happen uh yeah i mean you know i'm i'm a guernsey man so you know guernsey is always a in my center of interests you know and uh like i say i've been fortunate enough to have and still have a a really really good career at, at the highest level and exposure to so many different you know certainly now with my current team being an australian team you know something that went from having worked with british cycling and you know the british olympic pathway when i was in team sky to now working with the australian institute of sport and i work with high performance sport new zealand because of the demographic of the athletes we have and plus the team i'm with now is is australian so suddenly you it's opening up a whole different network system we've all learned even more so through covid how much we can do remotely you know it doesn't take a great deal to just get on the end of a phone or just reply to a whatsapp message and so it doesn't really it's not really impactful on my sort of day job um but actually it's no different to my day job because i'm managing athletes all over the world because of yeah you know, got an injured rider at the moment back in colombia you know dealing with his healthcare or whatever else so again it comes back to you get so much experience in doing something you think well how can i put that back into you know the conversations i might have down the rock mountain with somebody about something or other you're like well hang on a sec yeah I, I i can i can try and help you with that yeah fantastic and connor for you what what's your um what was your sort of way into this and, and your motivation for for kind of getting it off the ground uh, so I probably need to track back a little bit. So uh, I'm, I'm not from Guernsey, but my wife is. So um, really what I, what I was doing before I moved to Guernsey, I was working in, in, in universities, but also working as a consultant with British Swimming, Irish Swimming, uh, working with those guys at European levels, World Championships, Olympics, Paralympic Games, and, and those sort of uh, arenas. Um, and very similar to Dan, I I wanted to be a, a very good swimmer when I was younger. That didn't pan out and I actually ended up working as a sports scientist in these arenas and having these amazing opportunities and very similar to Dan in terms of understanding what it takes to work at this level, working with these coaches, working with the athletes and meeting very similar like-minded people across the world who who basically are doing the same job as you and actually learning from each other as part of that. And when I moved to Guernsey, it was a case of, well, I don't really want to lose that uh, because I've just got this fairly large bank of experience, this large bank of knowledge is, is I, I need to be able to give this back in some way, shape or form. And that was probably my motivation, particularly with the Guernsey Institute of Sport is, is helping others through my own experiences working with people like Dan and, and, and Casey and uh, and making sure that actually we, we can make a difference and almost the lessons that I wasn't able to make at the time or the knowledge I didn't have at the time of being an athlete and moving that further forward is, well, I can help inform that 
as that person's coming through um, based on, well, if I, if I know you want to get to, to there further in the future, well, these are the various steps. It's not going to be, I, I very rarely it's going to be a linear transition from where you are now to where you are, where you want to get to. It's going to be steps. There's going to be barriers. There's going to be hardships. How do you overcome those things? But fundamentally, what do you need to be able to do to, to make sure that you're nice uh, and g give yourself the ability to get to all that, um, get through all that hardship to get to that point you need to get to is, is how can I help support that individual and how can I make an impact? And from my professional background is, as a sports scientist is actually that's one of the things you have to demonstrate on a rel relatively regular basis. What impact do you have as a practitioner to help improve performance? Uh, and that reflective process really underpins a lot of what we do as a as a as a as an organisation in terms of actually, yes, we did this piece of work, yes, we've showed an impact. But if we were going to do it again, would we do it the same way, or would we tweak it slightly to make sure it was better aligned to actually where that individual needs to get to? So from my side, it's very much trying to give back. And yeah, in terms of you know sport as a whole, um, you know, the island, as we said, has produced some and is producing some fantastic top level athletes. Um, but there's maybe a notable sort of uh, sort of gap at the moment in terms of para sport and, and inclusion. How big a priority of focus or, or an opportunity is that for for the island actually for for islanders with disabilities? Sure, um, it's it's an interesting one. I, I I would agree with you. I think there's a, a a noticeable gap there. We have a couple of athletes who have physical impairments who who compete in in able-bodied sports so i can think of uh two or three specific examples that that come to, to my mind but in terms of identifying the identification of a, a power athlete so a power athlete isn't uh somebody who's paralyzed per se it's a parallel athlete that's what the power stands for in paralympics or or para sport and really what you're trying to do is find a parallel pathway for these individuals who who aren't necessarily fully able-bodied they might have a physical mental or, or visual impairment uh, and actually identifying those individuals to kind of make sure that they've got a similar parallel pathway through from where we are now into a national program and then into kind of para sport program as, as such and one of the things that we've identified or started to identify is is whether or not we've got these group of uh, impaired athletes who participate in sport and that's really where you start you look at kind of the the base of the pyramid to see and identify kind of where where individuals are uh, it's an interesting one uh, from a um psychological point of view because some people don't necessarily see themselves as physically impaired or, or disabled as such and actually one of the things we're identifying is uh, if you have an impairment that that's absolutely fine you might not necessarily be, be disabled but you might be eligible for a para sport pathway the issue with para sport pathways is you have to have an ipc classification ipc stands for international paralympic committee so very similar to the Olympic Committee, but they, they, they work in the para-sport equivalent. Uh, but you have to have a classification, and you have to have a classification in order to compete. So it's almost like a chicken and egg, because you have to compete to get a classification, but you can't compete until you've got a classification. So you, you have to go at a certain level. And one of the things we've found with some of the individuals here in Guernsey who, who, are, who would be eligible is they're probably too old already for for this really to, to happen and actually what we're interested in is identifying a younger group or a cohort of group of individuals who might be eligible to be classified and what we've identified is is just a functional grouping classification so for example anybody who's like got an amputation would compete against other people who have an amputation very very similar or if you're in a wheelchair you'd compete against somebody in a wheelchair and, and so forth and so on 
and you can then start having competitions again working with the other islands is is opening that up in terms of actually having that as as a in the uh, as a specific event whether or not you align that to say for example something like the island Games, so you have a parallel competition at the same time to, to promote awareness and then you kind of go down those sort of steps and then ultimately what you want to try and then end up doing is making sure that those individuals can be classified working out which groupings they can go in so it's based on functional classification it means that uh, you might have an amputation, but you might be racing against somebody who might have dwarfism or you might have uh, another person in there who's got cerebral palsy or kind of at the same level in terms of functional ability to do the sport. And then from there, you can then progress going forward. That's probably a, a, a mid to, to longer term ambition for us, but it's definitely on our radar in terms of something that we want to try and promote and identify and move forward. Yeah, and you know, you guys obviously got uh, lots of experience from outside the island, as you've just been saying. All things considered, um, how fortunate or unfortunate should a talented 14-year-old or 12-year-old in whatever sport feel uh, in Guernsey? I mean, if they, with the help that you can provide them, is there something extra that, that sports people get from being from growing up on an island and, and perhaps being able to represent their island in different things and having that sort of that maybe that extra bit of passion and connection to where they're from? Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly, we, you know, access to sport and physical activity and, and participation we're blessed because realistically yeah. we're never 10 minutes from anywhere <clears throat> and we've got you know some really good facilities we've you know we've got some excellent facilities and some really really good you know sports and with really good governance and really good coaching staff um to help those athletes you know develop and and generate a love for a sport you know how do i become the next andy murray or the next heather watson let's say in a guernsey context and again it comes back to the fact of you know we've we've got some of these people that are already they're already there they're already at the top of you know the top of the tree and how do we get some of their stories back in to help these 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 young athletes sort of develop but i i also think the the biggest key is is having exposure to getting off island and and different sporting experiences whether that's going to a, a national governing body train, training camp for the first time, being with people you don't know, whether it's you know, going to a, a competition. But it, it's, un it's also, this is one of the key things around sort of understanding your performance. It's not, okay, uh, I'm going to go to this event and this event and this event and I'm expecting to win it because you may, you may not win it. And then how do you make sure that that negative experience, because it isn't negative, it's a positive experience. You're learning, you're learning how to lose, how to deal with it, but also you have to look at those events and think, well, actually, this is where I'm going to learn my game management. So I had this conversation with a, a young tennis player a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to, you know, have, have further conversations. But uh, I think the other thing as well is we have the Island Games, which for a lot of athletes locally is, is almost like the pinnacle of their sporting career. And they're brilliant. And, and every sport's different. There's a different level of competition in, amongst different sports. However, it's the first time that athletes get an exposure to a multi-sport event that lasts for a week how they have to manage themselves through that especially if they want to be a medalist and their event's not to the end of the week um because if they're going to go to the next step they almost should be winning or podiuming in every single event that they do to then then our next step for those athletes is the commonwealth games what lessons have they learned from the island games to go to that next level when you're against the canadians the australians the, the kiwis the south africans in the swimming pool um and it's understanding well how do i measure my performance when i go there 
you know, because it, it has to be a different conversation to, I've just got to beat people from Jersey. That, that's not good enough. That's not what we're about. It's about actually, okay, right. Well, I haven't swum a PB this year. I need to PB or I, I want to make a want to make a B final in my event or the semi final on the on the track. Um, but short answer is we've got we've got the ability to expose people to to that environment. It's just got to be done in the right right way, which which it is. Um, and understanding that that yeah. lesson as you go through it. Yeah, I'd agree. It's certainly in terms of the the where you are location wise for your training venues in Guernsey, it's absolutely ideal. I remember talking to somebody in the UK and they were training and it was taking them forty minutes to go to their training venue, two hours in the training venue, forty minutes back and they were doing that twice a day. That that's and that's with good traffic. So that was early in the morning, late at night to be able to do that. And they were doing that 20, um, yeah, 20 times a week. So from a transportation perspective, that's a lot of time being wasted. Whereas in Guernsey, you've got that ability just to basically go and train and come back. Everything's really close and everything else like that. So I'd, I'd agree with Dan in that. And I definitely agree with Dan in terms of the exposure piece as well. Is um, And it comes back to kind of what Dan a phrase Dan used before is big fish, small pond, um, is trying to change that mentality is, yes, you're, you're good in Guernsey, which is great, and maybe that's what you want to achieve, and that's your level, and that's your ambition, that's absolutely brilliant. But it's, well, where's next? Do you want to be the best then in, in your county? So do you want to then go into the county level? Do you want to then go to national level? Do you want to then go up to international level? Where is your ambition set as where you want to go? And whether or not that's Island Games or Commonwealth Games or whether or not you, you link into a national pathway and go nationals and then drop into kind of a, a, an Olympic program is, is kind of... That's fine. It doesn't really matter. And actually, that's really important to understand as an athlete and also for, for us as, as an institute is understanding where, where your ambitions want to set because that then helps us tailor what, what sport services you need to get to that particular level. And it's absolutely fine to say, I don't want to get to that bit or I'm happy to exit at that bit. But it's then making sure that you've got the right skills that when you do exit at that level, then you can go in, have a kind of a, a professional life out, out of that as well. But it, it comes down to exposure and understanding uh, that I remember listening to somebody talking about Wayne Rooney going out, how, how could somebody compete in that level? He must be really nervous and how, I, I would never be able to do that and so forth and so on. But from my side, of well, that's normal for him. That's what he does part and parcel day in, day out. And actually, that's what makes him thrive and be good at what he does at that particular time and point because he's had that exposure. And it's being able to have that exposure at the right time and the right way, but in a, in a nurturing way to, to make it a positive experience. I think it's also about understanding sacrifice because, you know, whether you're a support, want to go into kind of performance support, uh, as a professional rather than as an athlete you're, you're making the same sacrifices you know I'm sure Connor will say about his edu- you know his his pathway is not too dissimilar to mine but but as an athlete you have to make we're all making the same sacrifices essentially and I, I think it's probably the only thing that maybe is slightly negative coming from a small jurisdiction like ours we spoke with our colleagues in Jersey and the Isle of Man about this is that because there's so much exposure there's also so much distraction that's very easy on tap and that's where you have to kind of navigate and understand, right, what's a good decision for me. And that, that also acts as a filter because we can see people that are really good at 14, but by 16, they've, they, they've dropped off. They've either gone to another sport or something else has taken over their life. And that, that's fine. That's just being a human. Um, but there will always be, it's how we capture those ones that have already got that drive to, you know, 
understand exactly what I need to do to get to where I want to be. And if I don't get there, what's my next step below that? What's my next step below that? I mean, I had this conversation with, the, I was telling you about it, this, yeah. this young athlete the other day, and I was kind of pretty blown away. So adult in, in, in exactly where, where they want to go. And that, that's the kind of thing that you think, okay, actually that, that, that's making me sit up and listen now. I'm thinking, yeah, there's definitely something here that we need to try and help and nurture. And if it goes somewhere, it goes somewhere. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't at the end of the day, it doesn't make any difference to us because we're not invested in, in them in terms of, you know, there's no financial gain. We're not an age, we're not planning to be an agent. We don't want a, a bonus here or a bonus there. It's just actually, how can we help you? And if it goes somewhere, fantastic. And if it doesn't, no problem. You've had good fun. As long as you've had enjoyed the journey and you've learned from it, that, 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 then we've, we're achieving what we want to achieve. Um, and I think also actually just coming, touching back on the, the exposure piece, it's definitely a conversation now we're, we're communicating more with the other islands is, is actually looking at avenues in which, okay, the cost of getting off this island, everybody, you know. It's driving everyone mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we can't, you know, we're not going to change that. Um, <clears throat> but what can we try and do to, again, get that exposure? So it could be, you know, an idea might be, okay, we're going to have a training camp, but that training camp is going to be for this sport with these group of elite athletes that are considered in their sport or whatever age it might be. And, you know, different coaches, different people, different, a different environment, because that's, that, that's already then starting to make me think, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm being challenged now because I'm outside of my comfort zone. I'm not, you know, so all those like little things they're, they're, we've got a load of ideas that we're going to start nurturing and you know as we develop as an organization we will definitely you know definitely tap, tap into uh, and same thing working you know we're lucky with the commission you know because of the way that the you know with the sport development officers you know developing those relationships because they're at the first point of you know if they're coaching or or, or working with certainly the younger generation and um, what do they see is there somebody is that you, you know oh have you heard about this athlete or that athlete or you know there might be something there there might not be or but we've got we've got a we've got our short-term vision a mid-term and a, and a and a longer a longer-term plan um so yeah no it's 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 gaining good legs as it were oh that's great to hear i mean just in terms of the the way that the institute of sport will will sit within island sport if you like what will you do you always see that it will be sort of I mean, will you be able to? I want to say exert pressure, but will you? Be, will you want to sort of want to influence policy, whether that's at a states level, whether that's through the sports commission's focus? I mean, will you always sort of sit behind them if uh, you like? I mean, I, well, certainly support the sports commission. I mean, if I think about COVID and some of the discussions we were having around, you know, the travel, for instance, and you know, you, you, I'm not going to go into it in too much detail because it's not really the forum, and and also the moment's gone but but we were we were you know informing on decision makings around uh, you know certain athletes being able to access the appropriate training environment um and given the clinical reasons why and the scientific reasons because at the end of the day we're scientific prof professionals uh drawing down from you know what australia are doing what new zealand you know other jurisdictions that were going through the same process um building up to you know their olympic games the the olympics um but i think again it comes back to being able to just being that objective resource if there is a question around elite performance sport in a guernsey context 
but ultimately that's really how we sit within within the sports commission but yeah be nice to lobby heavy discounts on travel <laughs> for, for the athletes but but yeah but in, it, just on that one, the, the heavy discount for travel, that was one of the recommendations that actually came out of the TAS report for, for all three islands is, is the cost of travel. Um, but in terms of that, we, we certainly feed into the Sports Commission. So, for example, we've yeah. got the Activate 8 programme. Again, there's an element on that specifically related to elite sport. Um, what we've done there is identify kind of objectives and milestones and, and those sort of things from the GIS perspective. And we've identified those and fed them in for, for approval uh, going that way. In terms of any other organisation, Again, whether or not there's scope in the future to help support, for example, the Commonwealth Games uh, Association or the Island Games Association, I think they're probably aspirational future things. Whether or not that that has legs and whether or not there's a desire to do that, we're, we're not quite sure yet at this point. And just finally, um, as you said before, you're still in this kind of pilot sort of scheme or, or you know, you're working with a sort of pilot group of athletes, if you like. Looking ahead to January next year, when it sounds like the Institute of Sport will kind of, I suppose... Re- reveal itself in its fully formed uh, or its fully shaped form um will you look to uh, yeah how's that is it going to be a sort of soft launch if you like or will you kind of uh, kind of go out and, and, and Prob- look to make yourself probably a soft launch because we're very much used to just being in the background and i think that's probably how we'd probably like to stay but that's also by nature of when we probably in our kind of professional work but uh, you know our plan is you know we're we're developing a website which will have you know uh, procedures and policies on there so people can access it through we've already just got a holding page so guernseyinstitutesport.com um with an info at email address so people can always contact us but uh, the plan would be that we've kind of worked on what our selection criteria might look like so you know somebody will read the website information and think yeah actually i want to be part of that i think i can be part of that or they won't just like applying for a job or applying for university or whatever it might be it's the same kind of process but already you're it's acting as a filter for well actually i don't really want to be challenged just yet so i'm not going to do it or i want to be challenged and so they would apply uh kind of like a little sporting cv you know where do you sit in your national ranking that type of type of um example and then we would look at having a a kind of interview a a comfortable interview with one of us from the institute somebody from the sports commission and 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 ideally somebody we've already spoken to a couple of people about just being an independent objective person who understands island island life island sport you know but probably maybe comes comes from a different industry so again just looking at something slightly differently um and then working on the kind of kind of athlete charter and performance model oh we've got a lot to get on with then (laughs) well thanks very much guys Uh, it's been fascinating to hear about the plans for the institute of sport and what what it looks like already and uh yeah all the best with the the sort of the rest of the kind of i suppose pilot phase if you like and and we'll look forward to seeing how things take shape when it launches uh in january yeah no thanks very much thank you very much really good